Yeah. Whereas before when it wasn't happening, I was like, I was putting a lot of the onus on them and not really looking at, okay, well, what am I not doing? Welcome everyone back to the second floor. My name's Omid, I am your co-host. Today we're here to learn to st- how to strive, how to survive, and how to keep the good vibes in your life and business. Today we got Eric Turner. Eric is actually one of my good friends. I've known him since junior high. Yeah, a long time. A very, very long, <laughs> a time. long time. And yeah. we kind of got off contact, but um, Eric is an ethics athletic ambassador. He's a lacrosse player and coach who has been involved in lacrosse for 15 years. He has a vision of creating a space for lacrosse players to develop their athleticism and skills in a supportive and knowledgeable environment. Additionally, Eric's passion for the game drives him to be an advocate for the growth of the sport. To accomplish this, Eric provides grassroots development through his lacrosse in-school program and mentorship to athletes and coaches. Eric is a graduate of Cornell University where he played NCAA Division I lacrosse, winning three Ivy League titles and making three NCAA tournament appearances, including one Final Fours appearance. Eric currently plays in the WLA, Western Lacrosse Association, for the Coquitlam uh, Ad... Adnax. Adnax. It's Canada spelled backwards. All right. It's a little tricky one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he also plays in some travel teams, uh, the Laser Sharks and Mega Men, who traveled to tournaments across the United States and Europe. He's currently working towards earning a spot on an on an NLL, National Lacrosse League roster. Yeah. Dude. A bunch of mouthfuls. That's crazy. <laughs> Dude, thanks Lots for coming on the show, man. Great to be here. I appreciate here. it. So um, you actually remember, I remember back, uh, kind of taking it back since we talked about this before, but um, taking it back when we were uh, kids, uh, I remember Eric just crushing everyone <laughs> in uh, every sport. Um, so, Eric, man, like, tell me how lacrosse, how you got into lacrosse, and kind of where it kind of really took off for you. Yeah, so my family's very athletic. Like, my parents both played uh, volleyball, basketball, hockey growing up. So, from like a young age, athletics was always part of like my brother and I's life um I moved to St. Albert when I was going into grade three and initially my track was like I was going to be an NHL goalie that was my my plan Uh, my dad my uncle and my grandpa have all been uh hockey goalies so obviously like when I started playing hockey they got me all the equipment that was the position that I wanted to be just to like kind of have that as like the Turner boys we're all goalies kind of thing yeah um but then we moved to St. Albert and my brother met a friend at school and said, um, hey, I want to play lacrosse. And nobody in our family knew what lacrosse was. Um, nobody ever played. We'd never seen it. It was just like a very low-key, like niche sport in the community. Yeah. And one of the big taglines was lacrosse is the perfect summer sport for hockey players. So initially for me, that was the seller. I was like, okay, I'm going to be a hockey player. If this is going to help me be a hockey player, like, let's do it. And I just love sports as well. Um, so I played that first year, I think I was 10, yeah. maybe 11, um, yeah. and I was not very good. 
I had no idea what I was doing. My parents bought me a stick, a Canadian tire. Yeah. I didn't have the proper equipment. Like I still have the stick. No way. And, like, comparing it to the one that I use now, my parents like look at it and they're like, we're so sorry. <laughs> like, they, yeah. It's so terrible. But um, I had so much fun. I had, I had so much fun. And like through junior high and, and high school and, and still now, like I just love sports. Like athletics is, is what I love. And lacrosse to me was the first space that I'd really experienced where all the things I love doing athletically were kind of in one uh, arena. I got to run, I got to be physical, I had to like be kind of finesse with, with the stick and, and catch this ball that's moving really fast. And it was great. Like I just had so much fun. And, and from there I kind of said, you know, like I want to play lacrosse. Like I wasn't specializing really at that point because I was still playing a bunch of other sports. So how, how old were you at this point? I was like 10 or 11 was when I first started playing. Yeah. And then I think the second year I played lacrosse um, was when I decided like, you know what, I don't really want to do hockey anymore. Uh, mm. I had kind of flipped. Like it didn't take very long. I had kind of flipped. And I think part of it was I had a lot of success in lacrosse early. Oh, okay. um, the team that I played on, we won the city championship. I think we might have even won provincials like the first two years that I played. Mm. And like, because I was an athletic kid, like I was pretty big for a 10 and 11 year old. I could run fast. Um, the coaches were like pretty about me. Like, yeah, they gave me lots of opportunities. And like I said, my skills were terrible. I have videos of me playing and I'm just like, wow, <laughs> yeah. I had no idea what I was doing, but yeah. um, because I was a big kid, I was athletic. I could defend people well. I could run the ball. Yeah. Um, uh, I got a lot of opportunities and the coaches were, were very supportive of me. So I think that feeling of success Mm. really made me feel good about it as well as like the enjoyment of just playing the sport it's very fast um like i said very physical and i just really enjoyed it so um once i got to junior high that's where the specialization started to come in a little bit more uh, i kind of committed my summers and springs to lacrosse and then in the off season i'd play basketball volleyball all the school sports that i possibly could um, but all everything i was doing was with a lens of how is this going to help lacrosse like lacrosse is the focus so Basketball and lacrosse are so similar in terms of offensive and defensive strategies. That one was a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, volleyball, just the explosiveness, kind of the reading of a play beforehand. Like, that's kind of how I looked at it. Like, volleyball for me, there's a lot of anticipation of, like, where is this person going to put the ball? How do I get to that spot ahead of time? That one was huge. Badminton, I even played in junior high just because, mm. like, hand-eye coordination. And I got rocked in badminton. <laughs> I, see, I remember playing, I think it was at Simpson in, in St. Albert in, oh, like, in the tournament. And I just got smoked by these kids. And I was so frustrated. But, like, I just like to compete. Like, that's, yeah. that's what I like to do. So, um, it was fun. Like, junior high was a blast doing all that and, mm. and getting a little bit better at lacrosse. And I got some opportunities to play on, like, Team Alberta and go to nationals. And I was traveling all of a sudden to tournaments and just really kind of getting into the sport a little bit more. And then in grade nine, I saw my first collegiate lacrosse game is on TV, which was like unheard of to be a lacrosse guy and see, see lacrosse on TV. It was never televised. Yeah. So I saw this national championship game for the division one uh, between Cornell and Syracuse. And it was like one of the best NCAA finals ever. It went to overtime. Unfortunately, Cornell lost, yeah. but uh, crazy game. Um, and it just really got me like, thinking like what is going on here i've never seen this lacrosse because it's field lacrosse versus box what we play in canada mostly yeah and i was like whoa what is this like yeah and then hearing that it's kids in school that are like playing lacrosse and getting to go to school at the same time I'm like okay well 
that sounds exactly like what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, so into high school, I went to three different high schools, kind of just pursuing this this goal of playing at that level. And I was really fortunate in grade eleven to get the opportunity to commit to Cornell, um, which was which was really really special. And then kind of finished out my high school career before I went over there and and did the NCAA thing. So um, lacrosse has been such a huge part of of my growth as a person. Um, some of the friendships and relationships that I have in my life now. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm just very grateful to the sport. The, the experiences playing have been amazing as well, but more so just like how it's shaped my life has been, has been really special. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. So uh, what, so the goal right now is where are you at right now with, with lacrosse and what you're doing and uh, where do you plan to, to take it yeah so the lacrosse professional landscape is pretty confusing we actually have three pro leagues currently oh really which is really just a mess but on the indoor side which is which is where i'm really focused right now um the nll is like the top end that's our nhl our nba whatever you want to call it yeah Um, that's that's where guys are trying to go um so what i'm doing right now is i head to bc through the summers i play in the wla which is basically like summer ball for all the pro guys so after the pro season is done all the nll guys are done they filter into these teams across canada um, and play at senior a so it's basically professional there's guys that get paid um it's a pro league but in terms of like the big show where you're playing in big big arenas and all that the nll is the spot so a lot of times to get to that level, you have to prove yourself in the senior A circuit because all these guys that you're competing against are those NLL guys. So the coaches are there watching. They're looking for new guys to fill their rosters out with. Um, coaches are actually involved with the team, so you might develop a relationship with an NLL coach that way. Mm. Um, so that's the, pl- like, that's the plan right now is to just go back to BC again and, and really try to have a successful season and, and try to get – and, and earn a spot really in a tryout or a training camp so I can, again, try to earn a spot on a roster. Yeah. I'm not looking for anything to just kind of be, be handed out. I don't have any illusions of like that happening. I just am looking for an opportunity to like prove myself and see if I can actually compete with these guys. Yeah. And the NLL, is that here in Canada or is it in the U.S.? Yeah, Where is both. it based on? It's both. Oh, so okay. we have, it's expanding continuously. So like this year, San Diego and Philadelphia just got added. Okay. Um, but I think we have four teams in Canada right now. And okay. And um, I think five or six in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then next year they're adding two more, one in Halifax and one in New York. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an expanding league. It's a growing league. Yeah. Um, it's still pretty small. Um, but yeah, it's based, based in the U.S. and Canada and... Uh, it's kind of the spot to be. They play, they're mostly tied in with like NHL or NBA franchises. So okay. like the Calgary team is owned by the Flames. Um, there's a Colorado team that's owned by like the team who owns the Avalanche, the, I think it's the Broncos. Like they just are like sports marketing media, just guru teams. And mm-hmm. uh, they're all over the place, which is, which is exciting. It's cool to like think that you get to play in all these different areas and in front of different fan bases and travel all over the u.s and canada and and just play which is which is really exciting yeah so i mean obviously that's that's the that's, that's the, the goal that's, yeah, the, goal. that's and, the goal yeah um what uh how popular is lacrosse because i don't i don't I, I only watch ball so <laughs> yeah. i don't i don't know i don't i don't know how big it is um can you make a decent living living playing as a pro athlete 
in the NLL, like kind of maybe break that? Yeah, down. so mo- most of the guys who play in the NLL have secondary jobs. Um, oh, it's really? not it's it's not a uh, a high paying sport by any stretch. Um, the cool part about it, though, from from that standpoint, is like everybody who's doing it is doing it because they love it. Yeah, like they're not doing it because the money is is a huge driver. Um, yeah, you're doing it because you love it, and you're you're devoting a lot of your own time into your training and 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 all those kind of things that you need to do to get to that level. So um, it's really interesting. I mean, as a as a 26 year old, um, when you think about like what you're investing a ton of your time in, and you have friends who are buying houses and getting engaged and like doing all these things that are usually on that track of like linear progress for, for what you think of adulthood as yeah, to be kind of pursuing something that isn't a, a very high paying thing and costs a lot of money um, and not really working full time in a job that can support it. Like it's, it's a little bit challenging sometimes, but um, it's like I said, people just love it. Like I love it. So this is, this is what I'm trying to do and it requires a lot of sacrifice and, and, a lot of focus and commitment to it, but it's the goal. So yeah, I didn't even realize that during like junior high, high school, that you were kind of going back and forth. And yeah, you were kind of going shifting schools, and you were because one thing that I did when I was in in uh, grade nine was when Paul Kane had that crazy basketball team yeah with don phillips yeah and they were winning provincials i was like yo i gotta go to paul kane yeah i want to play ball yeah and then when i got there i didn't even make the junior the junior team right so halfway through the semester i ended up switching to belrose because i was like i gotta play ball this year i can't just sit out yeah and uh and then i went there and then i came back yeah so but what you did you went kind of you went kind of full on in with the lacrosse thing early on. I didn't re- even realize that. Yeah. So it's like, and I kept it pretty, pretty low key. I think the the challenging part about it was for through junior high, you form some pretty good relationships because you're with people for three years. You're playing like a lot of the guys I played volleyball, basketball with. You're playing all the other sports with them too. Like yeah. the athletes in the school are are the guys that usually fill the rosters. Yeah. So I got pretty close to that group, and then all of a sudden, grade like end of grade nine, I was like, I'm going to Edmonton. Like I'm going to a school to play lacrosse. So what became really challenging is through like all three of my high school years, because I moved to three different schools, I never really formed strong relationships with anybody. Like I was, I felt very lonely during that time it was like a very lonely process of pursuing this because mm-hmm. i was basically spending limited amounts of time with all these people and then it was like okay see you later on to the next place um, and to maintain those relationships it's hard once you leave like mm-hmm. when i went to ontario to this boarding school for grade 11 all the relationships i had built in grade 10 all of a sudden are really hard to because you're not seeing the people you're you can kind of communicate, but yeah, it's hard. It's not the same when you're face to face with somebody and mm-hmm. getting to see them on weekends or at school or whatever it is. Yeah, you don't really get to form that bond. Yeah, and it just kind so, of fizzles out. It's been really interesting. I was just talking to my parents um, a little bit earlier, and like for basically a decade of my life, I've only lived in places for like three to four months max. That's crazy. So like, lacrosse has really taken me. It's been really awesome because it's taken me all across, but the tough part when I was younger especially with that like short timeline in each place is like I said it just felt really lonely because yeah you're, you're not really creating relationships with people or um having or feeling like you have a support network mm-hmm. really behind you you feel like you're kind of on your own so mm-hmm. um I think that's why now what I'm trying to do is build that support network for guys here um because I when I came back um 
for, for winter breaks or whatever it was from these schools. And then when I was at Cornell, you're here, but sometimes you feel really disconnected from home because you're actually not here really at all. You're only here for maybe a week because it's Thanksgiving break or I got a month off for, for Christmas break and then a couple months off for the summer. So you're here, but you're not really here. Your connections aren't there. So I'm just trying to create an environment for players who maybe are doing some of those things to come back and like knowing once you get back here, here's the place you can come. Here's people who understand what you're feeling, what you're going through and, and can be supportive of you mm. while you're here, mm. um, which I think I'm pretty excited about because I, I know how hard it was for me. Yeah. So, so what, what was, you know, going through that and going through kind of, um, you know, obviously you graduating from Cornell and just obviously the focus has been lacrosse and mm-hmm. trying to get to the next level. What's been the most mentally challenging thing? Cornell was a hard, hard experience. Yeah. It was really, really hard. It was probably, when I look at like grade 11 through graduating Cornell, that's like the most challenging stretch of, of my life so far. And I mean, really? it's, it seems kind of silly because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was getting to do a lot of awesome things, but, um, like my Cornell experience was, was really turbulent. I got recruited by a coach, um, in grade 11, uh, who ended up leaving before I even got to the school. Oh. So all of a sudden we have a new coaching staff in there for my freshman year. I haven't had a ton of interaction with them. They have an idea of like what direction they want to take the team into. So as a guy who's come in recruited by a different coach and a Canadian, only Canadian in my class, I felt very isolated, kind of like almost I, like I was being pushed to the side. Like we had 11 guys in my class um, and all of them had lacrosse roommates except for me. I got paired with some, some random guys. So like right from the outset, I didn't feel really super connected to the team. And then through the four years that I was there, we ended up going through four different coaching staffs. Oh, wow. So we were really high turnover on our coaches. Um, it, was, it was really challenging to gain any traction in terms of trying to earn some playing time, mm. uh, which is like what you go there to do. Like as, a, as an athlete, you want to be on the field. Like you said, for, for Paul Kane, like if you can't play, you're going to find somewhere where you want to play. Yeah. Like you want to play. That's all you want to do. So yeah. it was really hard to gain any traction to get on the field, which was hard for me to take because up until that point, I had been very privileged to like get a lot of playing time. Like I was used to being one of the better players on my teams and then all of a sudden to go and like basically be at the bottom of a depth chart and just stand on the sidelines during the season and have to watch our team either have success or not have success was really challenging. So um, that was hard for me to work through. That was really, really hard for me to process at first and um, there was a point, I think it was my second year where I was like really close to quitting. Like I was going to quit really? across, like I was going to be done. I was, I was really, really down. Didn't have a lot of confidence as a player. And I think the tough part is like when you define yourself so heavily by one thing, like for me, it was lacrosse. When I was not feeling like I was being successful in that one thing, or I didn't feel like that was a part of my identity really. I was just having a really hard time because I didn't have anything to fall back on and I was just feeling really lost. So I was lucky that my parents were, were very supportive. Like they, they wanted me to be allowed to feel what I was feeling, but they also kind of just put the, put the hammer down and said like, you're not quitting. Like you don't want to quit. Like, don't be silly. That's not, that's not going to help. That's going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stuck it out and 
the real turning point for me is when we went to the Final Four. Um, we ended up losing to Duke, which was a huge bummer because we had a great season. Our team was was incredible. We had a senior class that was like amazing at leadership. They all they all did an amazing job of of really driving our our team to that level. Uh, so it was really hard to see that group not get to the national championship and not have a chance to to compete for that. But I remember after the game, all these guys were coming around because this is our last game ever. Like all of a sudden, they're done. Yeah, and they're hugging everybody and. I remember a couple of guys coming and giving me hugs and just saying like, you know, you're what Cornell lacrosse is all about. Cause I was just a guy on the sideline who would work hard on pep practice and, and uh, just be there like as, and support those guys. Cause I just wanted to see us have success. And obviously I wanted to be on the field, but I never took it like where if you're taking my playing time, I'm going to be angry. At bitter. You. Yeah. I'm not going to be bitter. Like, yeah. Um, but I remember feeling like in that moment, I felt like that was a great compliment, and I was I was really appreciative of them saying that. But I felt really it felt really inauthentic to me because I was looking at what I was doing in my own time, how I was working, the amount of effort that I was putting in, and I looked at it and I'm like, you know what, I'm really not doing the amount that I can. Mm. Like I don't feel like I'm taking it as far as I could, and and this is why I'm receiving the results that I am. It was like the first real uh, moment where I really had accountability to myself, mm. I think, um, which was really powerful in a lot of ways. And I remember we went back to the hotel, a lot of the guys gathered together in, in rooms and we're just kind of celebrating the year and, and celebrating the experiences of, of being together. And I was like, you know, I'm going to start right now. Like it's easy to put this off and continue to, to, to act the way that I was or I can make a change right now. So I went to my hotel room, got changed, and I went to our hotel weight room. It was probably like 10 p.m. and I worked out. And mm. I was like, starting right now, I'm training hard, like enough of this nonsense. Yeah. Let's let's get after it a little bit. And um, from there, like that whole summer, I worked really hard. I got in really good shape. I started to have some more success um, my junior year. Fortunately, we got suspended <laughs> as a team oh no so we couldn't play in the uh in the fall so that took away some opportunities to like to showcase how hard i had worked but uh came back and in the next summer same thing just was working really hard in my senior year i was able to get some playing time on the field but i mean at that time another new coaching staff you're a senior it's a little bit too late to like really bump yourself up because i had guys in my class who've been playing since day one yeah. So they've established themselves as kind of the go-to guys, um, mm -hmm. and you're not going to take that that spot away from them because they've they've earned it. They they've earned the fact the the trust to be on the field in key moments. They've proven that they can make plays, and even though I can do it in practice consistently, they've done it in the game situation enough where the coach the coach needs to rely on them, and as a team we need to rely on them to to do that. So. It was disappointing because I had a lot of conversations with the coaches where they're like, "Hey, we need to get you on the field. We need to get you on the field." And that never really panned out. But mm. what what I kind of transitioned to at that point was the understanding that if I do everything as as fully as I feel that I can, if that is the result, it still doesn't work out how I want it to, I'll still feel good about it. The reverse where I wasn't doing nearly enough and not getting the result felt terrible. Yeah. It felt terrible. So that was a huge, like that was probably the biggest learning that came out of, out of Cornell for me was just like the accountability of whatever situation gets thrown on you. Like it's on you to respond appropriately. Yeah. Um, to make yourself 
feel good about it moving forward. Because mm-hmm. um, when I looked at like my Cornell experience and and some of the experiences into high school, that's that's what I didn't do. I didn't do a good job of of responding to adversity. I was like, I was a huge. Um, I would rely on like lying to people. Like people would ask me, "Oh, how Cornell? How's Cornell going?" I'd be like, "Oh, it's great. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was not great." Mm. <laughs> and I didn't like involve people in my process and. I was putting on this facade that I was doing really well and it it wasn't true. So the accountability and like the authenticity, um, when I reflect back on that whole experience, that's what I really learned from it. And it also just, it, it, it's hard for me to look back at it now because the way that I've learned that I want to be the values that I want to hold and everything, like it just makes me angry a little bit on how I behaved while I was there. Um, but like I said, it's been a great learning been a great learning process um, going through all that and it was crazy like the month before I graduated I had a fire at my apartment so like oh. everything got burned down like oh, I geez. lost all my stuff and really? I was just like at that point I was like kind of like this is what this is what Cornell is going to be like this is a summary of <laughs> oh this is a summary of Jeez. what Cornell is all about for me like yeah it was it was wild but uh, like I said just lots of learning lots of development and I can only be grateful for those things because, I mean, I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. And, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite Bruce Lee quotes is like, do not pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. Mm. So um, through those experiences, I think I've gained a lot of strength. And um, it's helped me uh, post, post-collegiate career deal with some stuff that's, that's gone on. And in this pursuit of playing in the NLL, that's, that's pretty huge. You need to have a little bit of resilience and, and toughness to endure through some, some tough things. So, yeah, absolutely, man. And I think that that moment that you talked about after the final four, I think that's a really, that's a pivotal moment, Yeah, you know, especially kind of almost like a self-realization that, Hey, I'm not doing as much as I think I am and kind of putting it kind of not taking the accountability of, things that happen especially I know with like especially with like a team mm-hmm. especially when there's so many different factors like coaches not giving you playing time you know um, the travel the way you were kind of isolated uh, in in school yeah um, there's so many different factors that aren't necessarily in your control yeah so it's easy to just be like well it's you know this person's fault or this 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 is what happened because of this 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 and kind of shift it and and then and then kind of play that facade like everything's everything's okay yeah and then that moment where it's like no like i don't care what happens i don't care what's kind of in my way or what's going on i need to take accountability and make sure that i'm putting in everything on on the plate and do what i need to do and if things don't pan out well that's fine but i need to know that i put in everything well i think accepting that accountability is really powerful too because Mm -hmm it gives it's like empowering because it gives you a little bit more control over the situation yeah like that coach not giving me playing time is really frustrating but like i said it's out of my control if i go and i say you know i've put in this many hours i've worked this hard i know what i've done and i know what i deserve and i know where i stack up against everybody else that the power of that coach making that decision is is lessened like it it's it's going to be hard to take, but at the same time, you're like, this is just something that I know I can't control. Yeah. Whereas before when it wasn't happening, I was like, I was putting a lot of the onus on them and not really looking at, okay, well, what am I not doing? Yeah. 
and and it, it like it almost felt powerless because I was like, well, I feel like I'm doing everything I possibly can, and he's still doing this. Yeah. Versus knowing that you're doing a lot. Yeah. And he's doing it. So it's like a very interesting. It was it was an interesting shift. I uh, it was pretty powerful. Like I really enjoyed the moment of like kind of having it click. And it was a weird way for it to happen. I mean, losing the final four, you'd never really think that that would be like the moment where you're like, oh, this is awesome. But yeah, I really, I look at that moment and I don't think anybody on my team even know, even knew that I did that. But, um, it was, it was a big, it was a big moment for me. And I remember just going up there and I think I just had my phone and I just blasted. I can't remember what song it was, but I was just so like fired up. Yeah. <laughs> so fired up. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready to, to run through a wall. Yeah. Um, so it was cool. It was it was cool. But Cornell was definitely like it was a challenging experience. It's interesting mm-hmm. when you when you work so hard for so long to get to a, a place and you have like this vision of what it's gonna be. Like when I got when I was going to Cornell, my vision was like, Oh, I'm gonna be an all American, I'm gonna be on the inside lacrosse magazine cover as like this Canadian superstar who's hit the NCAA and like really I didn't play. Like mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't have really any success as a player while I was at school, so to deal with having this idea of grandeur of like what my experience was going to be like at the division one level and have it kind of just fall on its face because of my, my actions was, was really hard to go through, but also very productive. Cause now, I mean, it's four years of your life, which are, are really important. But when I look at it, like in the grand scheme, if those four years and, and those mistakes or, or decisions set me up to move forward and, and be like, the kind of person that I want to be, then that's a pretty small sacrifice to, to have to make. Yeah. And I think that with having success, that's almost linear. I think that could almost hinder your future mm-hmm. almost in a sense, because you almost assume that where you're going is supposed to be successful. Right. Like what you're doing is supposed to be this, yeah. this big thing. It's the same thing. How, you know, even with this, with this podcast, we all yeah. thinking that it's going to be the biggest thing and <laughs> yeah. we're going to take over Edmonton and this and that. And it's not, it's, it's really, it's a humbling experience when you think that what is supposed to happen and it just 360, something else yeah. just completely happened and yeah. it kind of puts you, kind of down and it's like grounded and say, okay, well, what, what can I do more? Mm-hmm. How can I shift my mentality from being a victim in this position yeah. and be like, no, let me take control no matter how many factors are kind of around you. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting. Um, and I remember you mentioning this to me beforehand, you had an injury recently yeah so maybe take us through that and how that has been something that you've been going through yeah Yeah. so i think the last year i decided to make the move out to bc and it's something i've been thinking about doing since i graduated from cornell yeah um because really like i said the next step to maybe making a push at the nll is playing with those guys out at the senior a level um so it took me a couple years to kind of get the courage up to say like i'm going for it i feel like I'm ready to go. And I think a lot of that was coming off the Cornell experience. I recognized after I did some self-reflection that there was a lot that I needed to work on first um, to be set up to, to get after this goal and, and actually be successful. So I finally worked up the courage. I got the support from my family and, and the people around me. And I went out there and um, preseason game was really nervous going into the game, really excited because I was like, put on the jersey for the first time and going to step on the floor and and this was kind of the start of this process and 
um, into the second period, I went for a loose ball in the corner and I had a, a opposing player on my back and I started to turn out and got a little push and all of a sudden I just felt my knee just buckle and I just went down and um, surprisingly it wasn't like the most painful thing ever. Yeah. But I was, I just remember laying on the ground and just being like, something's not right. Like something's, something's off. And the trainers came over and they're like, are you all good? And I was like, yeah, but I can't walk. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So they hooked me, they got me, um, uh, off the floor and into the training room and they did some tests and, and initially it looked like everything was all good. Um, I walked like a few minutes later and, and watched the rest of the game and, and all of that. But while I was in the training room, there was kind of this moment of like, something could be really bad. Like something could be really wrong. Um, and I just remember in that moment having this conversation in my head of like, whatever is happening right now, you've been through experiences in the past at Cornell in, in high school where you've responded in a certain way and remember how you felt about the way that you responded. In this moment, commit to yourself right now that no matter what's coming out, you're gonna respond the opposite way. So that was like a very interesting conversation to have internally in that moment. And I just like, it's felt like somebody was talking to me, even though it was just me. Um, and I remember walking out of the training room and like there was a couple of kids watching the game and I just hung out with them for the rest of the game and just chatted with them. They're little guys like just starting to play lacrosse. And that was kind of the start of like responding to it in the right way. And then a week later, the team paid for me to get an MRI and I found out that I tore my ACL, my MCL, my meniscus, oh, like geez. bad, bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, we're lucky now that the injury is, is well, um, researched and, and they've worked through some ways to get back from it. But, um, this used to be like the one that ended people's athletic careers in a lot of ways. So that was hard to take to hear that I was going to miss the whole year. I'd never missed a whole season of lacrosse for injury or anything. So that was really difficult to, to deal with. But there again, it's always been through this whole process, that conversation I had initially has always been at like the forefront of my attention. It's like responding to this adversity in the way that you've kind of learned that you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so right off the hop, um, I started working and I was like, the only thing I can control is, is my daily actions, basically. Like the only thing that I can focus on is what do I need to do on a daily basis to get my knee better? Um, so I started doing exercises. I was going to all the events with the team still. Um, and it was hard. I mean, it was hard to just sit back and have to watch all these guys play where I wanted to be and, and be in the stands and see the coaches that I wanted to play in front, watching our games and, and just not be out there. But, uh, just, like I said, keeping that focus on just got to get better. Like if you want to get to that level, pouting about it and not doing the things that you need to do to get better aren't going to help you. Um, so just continue to work hard. And I'm in month seven of my recovery now. I've been really lucky to have a really smooth recovery um, in terms of like not really having any complications. Um, and a lot of it comes from having the support from people in the community who reached out to me right away and said, these are the things that you need to do. You need to get in the gym. You need to start training before your surgery. Get your leg as strong as possible. Um, after surgery happens, this is what you can expect. So I felt really prepared going into it. Mm. I'm like, here's the checklist. If you do these things, you'll be okay. Mm. So through the whole summer, I worked I worked hard on, on getting my leg really strong for surgery. And initially, I thought my surgery wasn't going to be until October 26th, which was going to take me out for this whole season as well, which was, again, when I found out that date, that was another 
kind of mm-hmm. hurdle to jump over of like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. And, and how do you maximize this next two year period and, and kind of go through it and be ready to come back and pursue this NLL thing still. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got really lucky and found a surgery date at the end of August um, and, and went into surgery and was very fortunate to have a really good surgeon do my, do my operation. And um, just based off the guidance that I got, I was off crutches in a week. I was back training, not with my leg really, but uh, back kind of in the gym working out at two weeks after surgery and um, ever since the surgery and, and moving through, I've kind of just anything I've been told to do by the, the people who know what they're talking about, <laughs> yeah. I've done and um, it's, it's really paid off. I'm, I'm working towards being back on the floor this spring. Um, my kind of clearance date is, is June 1st, um, but getting closer and, and feeling strong and, and back to moving well and running and cutting and all the things that I like doing. So, yeah. So now that you're kind of in the midst of getting into full recovery, mm-hmm. what's been the most challenging thing? Has it been mentally with yourself or has it been the physical of actually, you know, going through that checklist and saying, okay, well, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Or has it been mentally where it's like, okay, well I have, this whole season that I gotta, yeah. Mentally, just... mentally is definitely the toughest part of, yeah. of this injury. Um, Cause like I'll never forget the feeling of my knee buckling. Mm. Like I can always, I, I can remember that really vividly. It's yeah. just like it was a gross feeling. It's something yeah. that is really hard to forget. So, um, like when I was about to start jumping for the first time again, um, I remember. Like I have a watch that records my heart rate and we hadn't done anything in the workout up until this point. It's like the first thing we did. And I think my heart beat was at like 120 something beats per minute. Like it was flying. Like I was just, it was like a real mental jump to be like, okay, you're going to do this. Yeah. You're going to land and like, you're going to be okay. Like it was really scary. I could, all I was thinking about is like landing and all of a sudden my knee Mm. going out again, but then you do it and you're fine. So then you cross that off and you gain some confidence in your knee. And, um, it's kind of been that throughout the process. Like the first time when I got cleared to like start to change direction again, same kind of idea. Like Mm. you're thinking about it, you're, you're not sure how it's going to go. And then you get put in the right environment, you do it, you cross it off and you gain a little bit more confidence. So now where I'm at is I still get that feeling a little bit, but because we've had all these like small victories where I've been able to gain confidence in the knee it's easier for me to say like, okay, let's do it. Let's just go for it. I think I'm going to be okay. I'm confident that we've done everything we need to do up until this point to, to be successful. And, um, but the mental part is definitely the hardest. I, I got cleared to play in like a non-contact live kind of uh, situation last week Mm. and, uh, going on the floor, same kind of idea, like back playing for the first time in almost a year, uh, a little bit nerve wracking, but just also so exciting so exciting and that's what I'm trying to keep a, a focus on as well is it's all it's obviously nerve-wracking to get back and you don't want to go and get hurt again yeah but this is what I've been working towards so it's also exciting to be back out there yeah um, the physical pieces has never been really challenging for me I love working out I love training um, yeah it's just the mental side of of that fear of re-injury or yeah fear of coming back and being a different player because you've yeah. gone through this and yeah. and all that but all it all um, kind of goes away once you get put in the right environments and, and give yourself a chance to, to do 
what you're being asked to do and mm-hmm. then you're all good but yeah. yeah mental mentally acl injuries no fun i think any injury really yeah it's tough it's like really taxing yeah it's taxing not to be able to do what you're you're used to doing like i said i've never been out of lacrosse this long i've never yeah. not played for seven plus months yeah like it's it's hard so mm-hmm. um you're dealing with it on a daily basis and the tough part about the acl thing is it's always on your mind um mm kind of consumes your life yeah because i got surgery in august and all of a sudden our snowfall hits like you're walking around it's icy you got to think about okay i gotta protect my knee you're walking in public spaces just that idea of like somebody bumping into you wrong okay i gotta protect my knee like it's it's very very yeah, all-encompassing very, like <laughs> yeah you're very very you have like, to think about it yeah you have to think about, about it all the time just the normal things of like just walking yeah. around in public places yeah. yeah so it's good to yeah. like have it at a point that's what my my trainer has has kind of indicated is like we'll be we'll be really excited when you don't think about it like that's kind of a, mm, yeah, a, yeah, a key yeah. moment when you know that you're you're pretty close to to fully better and I'm getting closer you get in there yeah. yeah getting closer like there's moments there's moments where I forget about it I feel just like normal and I think part of it too is a conversation you have with yourself uh, mm-hmm. I follow a couple of accounts and, and follow some people who who are really adamant about like not referring to it as your your surgery side or your bad knee or mm. or those kind of things like because that just creates a narrative where you're defensive and protective of it it's like you had surgery your knee is fixed like it's all good that kind of idea and I remember coming out of surgery that like it's just a quick one like you go in you're out of the hospital that day and I was doing really well after my surgery and my mom's like like why are you okay like <laughs> why are you like you're not such supposed a, to be okay. yeah like why are you in such a good mood and I'm like I have another ACL again like yeah I'm good like yeah I'm fixed now like this is awesome this is yeah. this is the part that yeah. is like kind of the hardest to get through is that initial part where you're waiting for surgery yeah. so as soon as i got that i was like oh we're golden like yeah we're good to go now yeah <laughs> so that's yeah it's just the mental side is, is tough um but it's getting like i said getting a lot better mm-hmm. and, and i've been very fortunate to, to work with the athletes team and and have them kind of provide the the kind of environment that i needed to to push through some of those those really difficult situations i mean mm-hmm. i was reflecting the other day because like i'm jumping over hurdles now and then cutting and back playing lacrosse and i'm looking back at a point where i couldn't even walk yeah it's like that yeah. was only six months ago so yeah. it's very quick it's awesome it's pretty amazing what our bodies can do but i yeah. think the biggest thing i'm very kind of um social with sharing my my story and sharing some of the stuff that i'm doing and the progression mm-hmm. that's that's happened and um what i try to share with people is it's really important to find somebody who's gonna be a part of your process who really knows what they're doing because I'm very fortunate that I had all those people reach out to me and I'm very fortunate that I have a team of people who are very educated and have worked with this kind of injury before so they know exactly kind of what I need to do um, and they put me in positions to have success Mm -hmm. because the first physiotherapist that I worked with after I got hurt was like having me just kind of lay on the ground and like lift my leg up and like nothing was going to get better yeah and then he'd like hook me up to some machines and and call it a day and I wasn't getting that attention and yeah um, I could just I, I felt something was wrong like I yeah felt like you this could feel it yeah I was just like based on the conversations I was having people and and how I was feeling like it felt like my strength was going down it felt like it was getting worse I was like something's off here so I walked away from that situation and 
and reached out to some people who I knew had some more experience and that, that flipped the whole thing. So mm. that's what I try to share with people now is your experience is your experience, but based on what I've gone through, like finding those people who are, who know what they're doing and can give you that uh, experience, you're going to have a way smoother recovery. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel very, very fortunate to, to have that, have that in, in my life. Cause I have some conversations with people through my Instagram sometimes and they tell me their, their stories with this ACL thing and they're like at month six and they still haven't ran yet. And like really on the timeline, you're supposed to run at like week 12. So, Oh geez. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a really cool process in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I'm not like, you never want to say that you're, <laughs> you're excited about the fact that you're dealing with an injury. Like I'd obviously prefer not to have, of course <laughs> you would prefer not to be, <laughs> not in to that. hurt my ACL, yeah. but yeah. Um, some of the relationships and, and some of the people that I've got to meet through this injury have been have been really cool and and to have that ability sometimes to influence somebody's experience. Like I've had some kids reach out to me who are young players who are dealing with this injury, who are lacrosse kids who said like, well, following along with what you're doing is really helping me have confidence that I can come back from it too. So mm-hmm. um, that part of it has been really, I'm very thankful for that part. Yeah. to create some some relationships and, and maybe just help some people navigate through through it because it is hard it's yeah. hard and yeah. no illusions about that <laughs> yeah and I guess kind of going into ethics and, and what you've been doing yeah. with your recovery process at the same time you know you're giving advice to younger lacrosse players younger players in sport yeah. um, what does that kind of side mean to you because obviously you've been an athlete your entire life yeah. And kind of, it's been kind of you always trying to elevate to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, what, where does that stand in your life, and what do you kind of want to do for either the sport in general or just um, athletes? Like, where does that kind of play into your into your life? Yeah. And- so I started coaching when I was like fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was mostly because my brother was he's younger than me, so he was playing, and um, I had gained some pretty good experience in lacrosse. So. Sometimes the parents would just ask me to come help because a lot of the parents we get to coach are like hockey parents or don't have lacrosse experience and they're just great people who volunteer their time to like lead these teams, but they don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah. So I started coaching when I was 15 and I really enjoy working with young players or other players, just like helping, helping them on their, on their process and, and just trying to give them opportunities to be successful. Um, and like I said, I've, I've been very fortunate to have a bunch of people kind of do that for me. And I look at how influential and, and impactful that was on my career and my ability to do some of the stuff that I've been able to do. Um, so as a player who's gotten to the level that I've gotten to now, it almost feels like it's my responsibility or I feel a responsibility to give back uh, to this game that's given me so much. And I look at a lot of the players in this community that are trying to do things similar to myself and I see a lot of myself in them mm. at that age, like just feeling very lost, confused, not really knowing where to go. I look at like how my parents were were so amazing at just trying to figure it out, even though they had no one to really lean on. Yeah. And like I said, I just feel a responsibility that now that I've gained all this knowledge to kind of give that back. Mm-hmm. Um, so coaching and, and mentoring and all that stuff is a huge part of what I do. It's basically what I do outside of playing. I, I run a lacrosse in school program where I go to schools across the city and 
um, basically introduce the sport to gym classes. Uh, I bring a big bag of sticks and we go through like the basics of lacrosse. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And it's usually tied in. Like I do a presentation before that kind of gives them a rundown of the history because it's like Canada's national sport. People don't really know that that often. Mm-hmm. It's the oldest team sport in North America. Like it's a very, very cool sport. Um, and I just want to gain a little bit more of exposure for it. Um, so I do that and, and that part is probably my favorite yeah. thing that I get to do just to, yeah. to get a little bit more of lacrosse into the conversation. I think mm-hmm. if the sport is going to grow, obviously you want more people to play, but like my bigger vision is just to have more people like excited about lacrosse. So if they did see it on TV, they wouldn't just flip by it. They'd be like, Oh, I like, I like lacrosse. I want to watch that. Yeah. That's kind of where I want to get it to. Cause eventually that'll lead to growth in my mind is if people are having positive conversations around the sport, Absolutely. that'll, that'll lead to growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part's really fun. Um, and then I work, I've worked for like all the minor lacrosse associations in the city. I was a technical advisor for the, the minor lacrosse governing body for a year, um, where I was working with trying to develop our coaches and our players. Mm-hmm. Um, I've coached at all the different levels for all the different teams. I've worked at a couple of the academies. I've just been looking to create spaces and create opportunities to work with the players. Um, Cause my main focus is just creating good experiences for them. And what I look at it is like lacrosse is my vehicle right now. I have, I've gained enough experience in lacrosse to use it as kind of a tool, but really what I'm trying to work with these players on is developing that like resiliency, some of those core values that are really going to serve them well when they run into challenging situations that um, life is going to throw at us no matter what. Yeah. I think what I've, what I've learned through my experiences and, and friends' experiences and family experiences is you're going to get hit with some adversity at some point. Um, and it's just a matter of how you deal with it and are you set up to deal with it in, in the right way. So um, if I can provide that to players through sport and, and set them up to to be really successful through dealing with these adversities that might get thrown at them, whether big or small, um, that's, that's the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important. Um, and, and I'm working with the ethics team on, on trying to find new ways to like work with our athletes and, and give them a great experience. Because I think when you look at the minor lacrosse or minor sport model in general, um, there's, there's some things that are, are not being done as well as we probably could be. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you look at a guy like me, I've had this conversation with the owner at ethics before, like if they work with me when I'm 10 or 11, all of a sudden, maybe my chances of having an ACL injury are a lot less because my mechanics are really strong. Um, I know how to control my body, like all those things. Like you're never going to prevent injuries totally, but if we can develop athletes in in a way that gives them the best chance to to play at a really high level for as long as they want, yeah, that's, that's ultimately what you kind of ask for. Um, so I'm excited. I'm really excited for, for what's to come. I'm working on some stuff right now. And the last two years have kind of just been really heavily focused on being involved in the community mm-hmm. and, and recognizing where the opportunities are and, and where some of the gaps are um, currently and, and looking at it and sitting back and saying like, okay, what can I do with, with my skill set to fill some of those gaps um, for mm-hmm. these players? And I think one of the biggest ones is... Um, just dealing with that recruiting process because not a lot of people are talking about it. Not a lot of people have gone through it. Um, so working with the players and their families on 
how to navigate if you want to play collegiate lacrosse. This is what it looks like. Yeah, um, is is a big focus right now, and I just I don't I'm not very money driven. Mm-hmm. I probably should be <laughs> based on yeah. on some of the stuff that I try to do. I'm not very money driven though, and uh, yeah. if somebody calls me and says, "Hey, we need your help," um, I'm, I'm very quick to to jump on those opportunities because, like I said, I just see a lot of the situations that I went through, my parents went through, and and all that, and it would have been great to have somebody to, to reach out to and just say, hey, we need help. We, we don't know where to go. Can mm-hmm. you can you kind of guide our process? So yeah, um, I, I'm a big believer that like my purpose is to like serve. Like that's kind of what I've honed in on a little bit is just service makes me feel really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that I get to do that on a, on a pretty regular basis is, is pretty special. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Eric, I just want to take a, take a moment to, to commend you and to thank you for you know coming on the second floor yeah. and sharing your story um i actually didn't know a lot of the things <laughs> even though i even though i've known you <laughs> it's very do. cool yeah it's, it's very cool to just have you share your story yeah. uh, even though i've known you since we were kids but yeah. um just to just to know what you've been going through and your kind of journey mm-hmm. is very is very cool so um where can people find you if you know if there's young athletes or if there's coaches if there's people who are interested in lacrosse um how can they reach you where is kind of a a way maybe um to to maybe get in contact with you uh the best place is probably instagram that's where i focused a lot of my attention over the last little while um my handle is eric turner 41 um 41 is the number i wear in lacrosse so it's not very creative but (laughs) yeah (laughs) it makes it easy to find and then uh through that, uh, there's I'm always open to, to messages, um, and and even I think my email is, is locked on there, so you can send me an email and, and just ask. But mm-hmm. um, that's where I'm most active. I have a Facebook page as well, but it's it's not as uh, it's not as active as, as the Instagram. That's where I yeah. kind of devote a lot of my attention to. Um, but like I said, always open to to having those conversations and, and sharing. And um, I love talking to people who who are after these kind of things and, and mm-hmm. just helping as much as I can. And, and one of the things that I kind of pride myself on is um, I don't know everything. <laughs> I definitely have some experience, but if there's things that I don't know that, that people are looking to, to find out, um, I'm, I'm quick to not pretend that I know, but I find that I'm pretty good at finding them the right people mm. that, that, that can help. So, um, yeah. Instagram, probably the best way. Just send me a message and, and I'll be there. <laughs> Sweet. Well, Eric, thanks again for coming on the second yeah, floor. Really I appreciate it. This I appreciate great. it. And uh, good luck on uh, on your journey. Yeah. I hope to see you at the pro level. Yeah. Soon. We'll be back. I'll get a second floor uh, jersey to hang up. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Come through. When, when you're at that level, we'll, yeah, yeah. I know your schedule will be busy. Uh, yeah. You'll be you'll be across across the uh, across the world or in North America and playing. Mm-hmm. But uh if we can get you back, that'd be dope. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you. Nice. That was great, man.